What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because somewhere out there, somebody wants to know what you already do. And that spells a side hustle or a business opportunity to teach them. And by teaching online, you can, of course, reach a wider audience. You can scale to more students at once. It's more time leveraged than one-on-one tutoring, for example. And today's guest has been dabbling in online teaching on a ton of different platforms for the last 10 years, but went from making less than 100 bucks a month teaching online to over $10,000 a month and says you can too. Jade Weatherington from TeacherJade.com. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. You bet. So stick around in this one. We're going to chat, deciding what topic or topics to teach, the platforms that Jade likes, how to price your classes or your courses, and the marketing strategies that work to get students. You'll find links to all the resources mentioned along with the full text summary of our call at sidehustlenation.com slash jade, J-A-D-E. I feel like every online teaching success story has at least two parts and probably several more. That's the topic, that's what to teach, and that's a reliable system of connecting with students. So maybe we'll start there, Jade, with your figuring out what to teach, how to figure out what topic to stake your claim in here. Sure. So anybody who's like, I want to teach online or thinks that they can't teach online because they're not a credentialed or licensed teacher, that's the first thing that you need to forget. You should absolutely aim for teaching whatever you're passionate about. So if you have a love for trees, there's someone who wants to sign up for your class and learn about trees. So the topic that you teach should be something that you're passionate about, some that you have some expertise in, and some that you're going to enjoy teaching. When you're teaching online, especially if you're teaching to younger children, they're going to know if you like what you're teaching or if you don't like what you're teaching. It sounds like your primary, like the, the bread and butter here is mastering the five paragraph essay for you. Is this something that you were undyingly passionate about? <laughs> so when I start my classes, I always ask my students, the first question I ask them is, how many of you signed up for this class? Not a single hand goes <laughs> up. My second question is, how many of your parents signed you up for this class? And that's when all the hands go up. So I don't think there's anyone out there who loves the five paragraph essay, but it's really important to know how to write and how to structure your writing. So Previously, I was tutoring and it was writing tutoring and it was always the same thing. So when I developed my course, it was based off the needs that everybody came to me with. So I made this class that's fun and I like teaching it because it's fun. But none of my students have ever been like, yeah, I can't wait to take this essay writing class. But they enjoyed enough that they sign up for part two. So I wouldn't say like if I had to spend the rest of my life doing anything, it wouldn't be writing essays. It'd be like eating food or something. But I do enjoy teaching the topic and I love writing. So it works out. It definitely translates in my classes when they realize like they know that I actually like what I'm teaching. Yeah. So it sounds like, okay, this came from the one-on-one work that you're doing. Here are the common questions that come up. Here's something that people commonly struggle with. Let's see if we can turn this into something a little more leveraged. Like I can reach more people by creating a class around this versus continuing to do it one-on-one there. And so that checked the box of something that you already knew well, even if it may not have been, you know, the undying passion for the five-paragraph essay. So that's a good place to start. What do you know more about than the average person? What do you know more about than your prospective students? And what's the unique spin on it, maybe, that you can make it interesting that they're not getting 
elsewhere. And maybe that's food, maybe that's trees, maybe that is some academic topic. What happened next for you after saying, okay, I'm going to make this transition from tutoring to creating this class? Yeah, so it was actually the opportunity. I was, like you mentioned, working for a lot of online platforms. And one of the platforms I was working on, I was doing the one-on-one tutoring. And then I was also doing it on the side, privately, as a one-on-one tutor. And I was in a few different Facebook groups and somebody mentioned OutSchool. And when OutSchool just started out, like you kind of, it was like, here it is, jump in and figure it out. So I was like, okay, well, what am I going to teach? So that's when I developed the four-part class that I created. And after I made that class, and it was really based off like the needs from my previous students. I'm like, these are the type of essays that they have to write for school. And these are the common errors that they all have. So how do I present it in a way so that they understand how not to have those errors? And so I taught that class for about two months. And after that, the parents were coming back. What's next? I'm like, I don't know. What do you want from me? So I asked for feedback and they were like, do you have more writing classes? So I created the part two class. And then I don't want to say like the demand was just so overwhelming, like they were flocking to me by the thousands, (laughs) but the demand was extremely high for me to offer this class. And I'm only one human. I can't teach 10 hours a day. I don't want to teach 10 hours a day. And it's a writing class. So there's feedback that needs to be given after they submit their work. It's not just write this stuff and I'll see you next week. So I also created a flex version of the class, a pre-recorded version of the class, which I offer on my website and on OutSchool. So it was just like, hey, if you want to take this class, but I'm not willing to offer it at 6 a.m. or at 9 p.m. because you live in Australia, here's the course. You can watch the recordings. You can still submit your work to me and you can still get feedback. It's just not going to be a live class. Oh, okay. I was going to ask about this live versus pre-recorded and the angle. So I'm on OutSchooled. It says where kids love learning. So this is a new marketplace or at least a new to me marketplace. We've talked a lot about the buy buttons theory of, of marketing. Go where the cash is already flowing. Go where your customers already are. And it sounds like OutSchool was one of those platforms for you where teachers and I guess presumably students themselves, if they're of a certain age, could go and sign up for the classes that they need or want to learn about. When you started, were there other essay teachers on there or was it kind of wide open to say, okay, I'm going to be the first on this new place? So when I started, there were less than 100 teachers. And I think right now there are over 10,000 teachers. So this is my fourth year on the platform. And this was the thing. I didn't go and check what other classes were offered. I said, you know what? This same thing that I'm doing right now is what I'm going to offer. And I do recommend to people not to go looking for other people's classes because then you'll start trying to recreate their class or you'll think, oh, it's already offered. Who's going to want my class? No, make the class. And the way you teach, and I tell people all the time, like somebody can take my entire class, they can take my notes, they can read my script, they can do everything that I do in my class, but it's still not me. So I'm not too much concerned with what other people are offering. So I don't know if anybody else was offering a writing class. I've had other people reach out to me and send me like links 
to teachers who have like a similar title of my class. I've had people reach out to me like, hey, I signed my child up for this class on this other platform and they were using your material. And then I sent my cease and desist. But I'm just like, I don't know how many people are offering writing classes. Like I looked now, like more recently I started looking, I'm like, just to see. And I really do that because I want to see if these classes are doing well. So if I can't provide the class, I can at least say, hey, well, there's these other teachers who teach a similar class. You can go check it out with them. Yeah. Did you see that as a risk? Well, there's only 100 students on here. I'm going to go through all this effort. And what if nobody signs up? Or in hindsight, yeah, you were in very early days on something that, you know, especially in light of 2020, just took off like a rocket. Yeah. So when I signed up, I want to say they were out of their first year of beta testing. So it wasn't as huge as it was then as it is now, but I found success early on and I was teaching classes on there. And, you know, these are group classes. You can do one-on-one tutoring if you want to. But my first class I offered had one student. So I had one student in the class. And luckily, that one student, his dad was like the manager of a homeschool co-op. And since his son enjoyed the class so much, he ended up getting all the other parents in the co-op to sign up for my class. That was 18 kids. So that happened. And then in my third month, a mommy blogger blogged about my class. I didn't even know about it. And my, by my fourth month, I'm like, whoa, my class is capping out. Like there's way too many kids signing up for my class. At the time, it wasn't just small group classes. So I had 18 students in one class, 21 students in another class. And then I kind of found like my sweet spot, my 15 works for me in the virtual classroom for older kids. Like for younger children, I cap it at nine. So I had to figure out what's going to work in this group virtual class that's still manageable. And now there's a lot of essay, there's a lot of essay writing teachers on the platform and it hasn't really stopped my classes from, like I still have full enrollment. So I also think that's because I started early on. So it's like if a parent goes and types in the word essays, my class is going to pop up along with other classes, but then they get to read my reviews. And even recently I had parents who left me feedback and basically their feedback was saying, because I had so many five-star reviews, they were kind of hesitant about signing their child up for the class. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And it was for me too. Cause I'm like, okay. I'm like, cause maybe you're thinking oh, it's too good to be true. Like there's no way that this person, everybody <laughs> loved this class. But I'm like, no, if you keep on scrolling, I promise you, you'll find somebody who left me three stars. You'll find someone who left me a one-star review. You just have to keep on scrolling. (laughs) So from that point of view, I think, you know, for like new teachers, their concern is like, well, how do I compete with a teacher who's been on the platform and has like 500 reviews for the same class that I want to offer? And it's kind of like, hey, if you get one child to sign up for your class, be amazing. Be everything to that child so that they go out and tell their friends and their parents go. A lot of my early enrollments were from word of mouth. So I always say, like, do your job. Do exactly what you're supposed to do. And they're going to talk about you and they're going to send people to you. Yeah. And, and that's something, too. Like, if you can't be early, if you can't be first, be different. Tackle it from a slightly different angle. Like, carve out a space for yourself. I and mean, we see people new sellers come on board Amazon all the time to like, man, talk about a crowded competitive marketplace, but people find a way to niche down and and make it work. So you mentioned a few different places that I do want to go. Number one was the built-in optimization on the platform. You say, okay, if somebody searches 
for SA, they're likely to find you. So it sounds like there is a keyword optimization play here in naming your class versus Teacher Jade's fun time learning hour. Like, no, you got to deliver to talk about what it is going to be in the title of the thing. Anything else to optimize a listing on OutSchool? Yeah, so you absolutely want the keywords in there. If you're teaching a writing class, put the word writing in there. And think about, I always say, think from a parent's perspective, even though, you know, some of the students are on there, some of the children are on there searching for classes too. But think about what word would they look for if I'm teaching this class? And if you're like a zoologist and you're teaching about zoo animals, they're probably not going to type in the word zoologist, but they'll type in the word zoo or animal. So those keywords and also thinking about when you schedule the class times. A lot of teachers get stuck in thinking that kids are only taking classes after school. It start off with homeschool families. So you can schedule classes that aren't after three. You can schedule classes in the evening or early in the morning and on weekends. But you also just kind of have to be mindful of your own schedule too. I always say don't schedule just because someone wants you to, if someone wants you to teach class at 2 a.m., if you don't want to teach class at 2 a.m., don't do it. So as far as parents and um, students, they can look up classes from the search engine, from the keywords. They can look for the different types of classes that are offered. So there's one-time classes, ongoing classes, multi-day classes, and there's flex classes, which are the pre-recorded classes. They can also see how long they are. So if they want a class that meets Mondays and Wednesdays, or if they have a specific time, those are all ways that they can narrow down their searches for classes. Have you found a best practice in terms of the class structure, setting it up as a, you know, one session every week for four weeks versus, you know, here's a a one-time two-hour session. Like what have you found works best? My preference in teaching is one day a week. And that's my preference as a teacher. But for my daughter, who I also sign up for online classes, I like multi-day class. So she can go to a class on Mondays and Wednesdays for a month. I prefer those types of classes for her. But also the one-time classes. Offering a one-time class is great. It allows the students and the parents to kind of get a preview of you and your teaching style. So if you have a longer class, they'll sign up. I have found that longer classes, like anything after the six weeks live, it doesn't work out so much. And I don't know if it's because I teach writing classes where I'm like, hey... I'm tired of doing essays. I need to take a break myself. But I notice that a lot of my students start to kind of fizzle out after the sixth week. So unless they're fully 100 engaged in the class, by the sixth, seventh week, it's kind of like regular school right before spring break. Nobody wants to do any work. So that happens. But I think like the multi-day class and ongoing classes are extremely popular. With ongoing classes, you come if you want to. So if you have an ongoing class that meets every Monday at five o'clock, they can join, they can come for the first two days, they can come for the last two days. So it really just depends on what the parent's looking for. That would be like your, like a just drop in office hours type of session. So like one of my ongoing classes, it's a game where we just play games. And so if they come on Mondays, it's charade. On Tuesdays, it's Pictionary. So they can decide like, oh, well, I'm going to come to this Monday class. But, you know, next Monday I'm not available. I have to go run some errands. And if they want to come back for the third week, then they can come back for the third week where we do brain games and trivia. So it just allows them to take a class that's not building on anything. So if you miss class one and you come to class two, all you did, you only missed class one. It's not something that you need to attend in order to participate in class two. And are those charged a la carte, you know, per session, or is it kind of like a membership? How does it work for the billing? 
The ongoing classes are billed weekly. So it's like a subscription-based class. If you show up, you get billed. If you don't show up, you still get billed unless you unsubscribe. So you're going to pay for every class every week unless you stop your subscription. Okay. Yeah, kind of like signing up for swim lessons or something else, you know, for your kid. Like, well, you're going to pay it whether or not you go for the eight weeks. Okay. I kind of like that in ongoing, just hangout time, brain games, trivia. That sounds like something I would have been into as a kid. How about other pricing stuff, like pricing stuff for the other sessions, like the multi-session classes and stuff like that? Is there a sweet spot if you are capping enrollment at 15 per class, nine to 15 per class? Like just specifically speaking about our school, they do have a recommended $12 per hour for classes. I only follow that recommendation my first two months. And after that, I'm like, you know what? The purpose of you doing this is to get paid a living wage. And not say that that $12 an hour with 15 students isn't livable, but I was still working after my classes were over. So my writing classes are around $20 and the classes are 40 minutes. So it's a little under $20. Um, no, I'm not under 20. It's about $20 for that hour of class. But I also consider the amount of time that I spent outside of class doing feedback. So that's added into the pricing for my classes. Whereas like my game class, it's a 25 minute class and I charge $6 for each session. So it's still kind of around the recommended price. And the only reason I charge less for those classes after the class is over, it's over. I don't have any work to do and I get to have fun. Like I'm really competitive. So I get to enjoy the class just as much as the students when we're playing Pictionary or charades. So I think honestly, like as far as pricing goes, when people ask, well, how much should I charge? I do recommend, like I always say, don't undercharge. You shouldn't undercharge. And I think a problem, like a lot of the teachers who are coming from like an academic background, a teaching background, like they have this expectation that they should get paid less. Even though they want to get paid more, they're like, well, this is the profession I chose and I know we're not going to make a lot of money, but that's not where you're at right now. So you'll have people who come in and they're like, oh, I'm an expert photographer and they're not worried about charging $120 for an hour long class because that's what their industry's used to. So I try to tell them like, don't underprice your classes. You absolutely deserve to get paid for your time. Okay, thanks for sharing that. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time 
and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com host. Once again, that's airbnb.com host. What fee does OutSchool take? So they take 30%. Okay. So of the uh, recommended $12 an hour, they're taking, what is that, four bucks worth, give or take? Mm-hmm. On the surface, if you only have one person show up, uh, not so good. But if you got 10 people show up, if you got 15 people show up, you're like, okay, this is starting to scale or it's starting to be a little more leveraged. Now, I remember with uh, Airbnb experiences, like if you had one person sign up for your three-hour hike, it was an hour outside of the city, you were committed, you had to go, like there was no required minimum that you could set. Is it the same here? But if you got one student show up, you got to come and deliver? No. So that's another thing. You get to set your class range. So like for my my game class, it's set that at least two people have to sign up for this class. But let's say one child signs up. I have a child, so she's always my backup person. Like, hey, guess what? You're playing charades with me and this student today. But if I don't have that option, I will still run a class with one learner, even if I set it as a two-person minimum, but I will reach out to the parent first. So I always reach out to the parent. Like if my class hasn't met the minimum that's required, I'll say, hey, I just want to let you know that nobody else has signed up for this class yet. If you'd rather have your child take the class with other learners, we can move them into the next week's class. Or if you're okay with it just being me and your child in this class, we'll do the class. One, I already scheduled the class, so I didn't have anything planned for that time. So I can cancel the class and make $0, or I can keep the class and make like $4.20, but I would prefer making money over not making money. And I give the option to the parents though, like, hey, I just want to let you know there's only one child enrolled in this class. What do you prefer doing? And if they're like, yeah, you can, you know, put them in next week's class. That'll be great. I then message them back and say, all right, awesome. So I'm going to transfer them into the class that's next week, but I need you to go tell your friends or to share this class link with people to help get someone signed up. And I'll offer them like an incentive. I'm like, hey, if you get someone else who signs up because you sent them, I'll give you 50% off. Oh, okay, cool. Is that something you can track through the platform? Yes. So every student who's enrolled, once they have payment, we on our end, like on the teachers, and we are able to issue refunds. We're able to unenroll. We're able to withdraw. We're able to transfer them to other sessions. And then with the refund, that's really up to us. So like my part two writing class, I offer 15% off, but that's after they sign up. So after they sign up, I then have to go back in there and issue the 15% discount. You know, that's the old saying, easier to keep a customer than go get a new one. So I was like, here's a reward for sticking with me. Yes. Do you have a sense of the effective hourly rate that you're you're making now four years deep into this platform? Oh, how much I'm making right now? Like my average? Yeah. It's 289. 
Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you say, I'm like, oh, no, do I want to say this out loud? But yeah, it's about um, two, 289 per hour. I would love if I could work 40 hours a week, but <laughs> I can't. I really just, I can't because that would be like 600 papers a week of feedback. So that's another component. It's not just stand and deliver the class, you know, at the set schedule that you have set aside. It's, you know, like a real teacher, kind of like grading papers, providing feedback and all this stuff after hours, which is kind of have baked that into your price, but something that you got to consider depending on what type of class structure or, you know, topic that you want to teach. But man, 289 bucks an hour. There's a lot of teachers listening and a lot of other people listening who are like, uh, yeah, sign me up for some of that. That's, that's really interesting. You got to be consistent though. Like I think, I don't want to say the problem with me saying that, like there's a lot of new teachers when they come in and they they hear the success stories from the teachers who are making 10, 20, $30,000 a month. And when they make $30 their first month, they're ready to throw in the towel. And then they start thinking, oh, I'm competing with all these other teachers. No one's going to notice me. Is it oversaturated? And this is an analogy that's not for me. It's all over the place. But you know, when you go to the grocery store and you walk down the bread aisle, there's like 15 different bread brands to choose from. So it's not really about, oh, who's my competition? You do have to find a way to stand out. And you do have to teach those classes with one student. Like my first class had one student. My first month, I made $32. And if I would have gave up then, if I was just like, mm, you know what? I'll just stick to my own private tutoring. This is what I'll focus on. I would have missed out on the 10000 <laughs> They eventually came. After that first $32 month and like getting one person to sign up, like what inspired you to say like, no, I think this platform does have some legs. I'm going to keep investing in it here. I think one, because it was new and I liked the idea of creating my own curriculum. I didn't want to work for another platform where they're like, here's what you're going to teach. This is what you're going to teach. And it was very cookie cutters. Like, this is what you're going to do. With this, I have the freedom to teach how I want to teach, which means it's not boring. For me, it's very boring if someone puts something in front of my face and says, this is exactly how you need to teach this step one, step two, step three. I like to do what I want to. So having that freedom and then also the flexibility saying like, it's not a specific time zone. It's the world. So I have students in Australia. I've had students in Kenya. I've had students in Brazil. I've had students all over the world. So if I wake up one day and say, hey, you know what? I only want to work at night. I want to work from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. I could do that. Or if I want to be a morning person, probably won't ever happen. But if I'm like, hey, I only <laughs> want to work from 7 to 9 a.m., then I can do that. And there's still a demographic of people available. So yeah, that's the VIP kid model. You know, 6 p.m. in Beijing is 6 a.m. Eastern. So it's like, well, you got to get up really early to do these type of lessons. And for the certain person, like, that works great. Like, oh, I can get this done before I go to work. I enjoy interacting with these kids. But this one is uh, something that scales just because it's it's one-to-many versus one-to-one here. Exactly. Yeah. So, And that was also really something for me. When I was just doing my private learners, I used to try to like calculate, like, how can I get the people that I'm teaching right now? Because I started off when I was teaching online, I had students in Brazil and well, they were adult learners. So I had four of them and I'm like, how can I try to get these four 
to say, hey, let's all take the class together at the same time versus me having to have four hours each with them individually. So the group rate is like, even when I was a classroom teacher, I'm like, okay, so I'm getting paid to teach all 24 children, but it's a salary. And now I get paid for each individual child. Yeah, this one is is interesting. I remember an example from Daniel Di Piazza, who ran Rich 20-something back in, I don't know if he still does it, but it was like, yeah, he was tutoring for a company and making his 18 bucks an hour. And he's like, you know what? You know, what if we did this in a, in a group setting? And so he pitched like the SAT prep class and, you know, collected the cash from everybody up front. And he, you know, exploded the hourly rate by just tweaking the model a little bit. It's an interesting one. You started with the five paragraph essay. You've expanded that to, you know, part two in response to parents asking, well, what's next? What else you got? How else has the catalog of service offering expanded since the early days? So with those two classes, they're both four week long classes. They meet once a week for 40 minutes. And I also offer a one time class and it's the same class, but it's one time. So it's mastering the five paragraph essay one time. And it's a one-time class that meets for 45 minutes and it's one essay. And because the pricing of it, it's a $25 class, but it meets one time for 45 minutes. So I could see a parent saying, oh, well, that's all I get. This one essay, they do revisions in that class. And this, my other class, there's no revisions. So this one, they submit it, I give them feedback, and then they turn it in again. So I'm like, I'm going to make it worth your money. So the one-time class is there for those who can't commit to four weeks or for those who are like, hmm, you know, let me see. Let me check her out. Let me see if I like her, if my child likes her. And most of the times after they take the one-time class, the name pops up on my part one class. I'm like, hey, welcome back. You liked me. And then I have the hamburger paragraph class, which is for younger learners. So my math and five paragraph essay class is for middle schoolers. And the hamburger paragraph class, that one, the age spans from nine to 14 for that class. And I made that class because parents kept trying to enroll their nine and 10 year olds in my middle school class, which was for 11 and 15 year olds. And I'm like, no, I don't want a nine year old in my class with 14 and 15 year olds. Like, I just, no, I don't want it. And they're not writing at the level of a middle schooler. So when parents come saying, hey, you know, what about my sons? They want to know, like, can my son's brother join the class? What about, you know, my other kids? So I was like, okay, I got something for them. So I created that class. And then I still had parents who would, I don't want to say, I was going to say who make their kids. They make them take the classes over. (laughs) So they'll take part one and part two again. And I tell them all the time, like, you need to let your child go take classes with other teachers because they may love my teaching style. They might love me. They love the class, but they're not always going to get to experience people that they love. At some point, you want them to take, and I don't want to say like that, but you should have them take a class where they might be challenged differently or where they might not like the teacher so much, or they might not like the feedback they receive, or the feedback might be more detailed so that they can experience other teachers. So I'm kind of big on that. It's like, I don't need to hoard the kids. So I always try to tell them like, let them go other places. They don't listen to me. They're like, no, I'll just sign them back up. So I created another class called Beyond the Five Paragraph Essay. In that class, it's exactly what the title is. I'm like, now that you've learned the five paragraph essay, I'm going to introduce you to the type of essays that you'll probably have to write in life. Like no one's going to tell you to sit down and write five paragraphs sometimes, but most of the time they're going to say it needs to be two pages. It needs to be 1200 words. It can't be more than 700 words. So that class is still focused on essay writing, but it's less of that five paragraph essay structure. Okay. Yeah. This is really interesting. It's like, well, here was my initial idea 
born out of questions and feedback from one-on-one tutoring. And it's kind of evolved into pretty, you know, diversified stuff, like all, you know, in this realm of English and writing an essay help, but, oh, we can go deeper, we can go shorter, we can go for younger learners, we can, yeah, it's like all kind of cool stuff. And then the the ongoing office hour sessions, like come hang out and play games and stuff too. So one of my favorite classes is is another ongoing class. It's called Lunchtime in Literature. And I like food. I like books. So I was like, hmm, how do I turn this into a class? So the class meets at 12 o'clock. And I tell everybody, I'm like, make sure you bring your lunch. And everyone shows what they're eating. And then we talk about the books that we're reading. And for me, I'm like, people will pay me just to eat food and talk about books. But it's also that social aspect. So a lot of parents are looking for that as well. So it's like, you know, my kid loves books and now they get to come and take this class where they get to talk about what they love. So I'm like the facilitator of the class, but I also price that class really low. It's $5. So I wouldn't charge 15 or $20 for that class. It's a $5 class and it's so much fun. Like we eat and talk about books. You get my gears spinning a little bit. Like our oldest is five and he has a Lego Zoom buddy, he calls him, like a Lego FaceTime friend where they just call each other up, build Legos. Hey, what are you building? What step are you on? Oh, that's kind of cool. Check out this part. And they tell each other toddler, you know, (laughs) dumb jokes and stuff. And it's just like, it's kind of awkward to listen to. But it's like, oh, shoot, you know, maybe kids would come hang out and build Legos. I don't know. The Lego lounge. They just come in and play with their Legos and show off what they made. Like, what'd you make today? They hold it up. And then, of course, there's like the other side conversations that take place. But it's like it gives them that chance to because like my class is academic. It's lecture based. And I used to when I used to teach the class, I used to let everyone I'm like, OK, so class is over. But I'm going to leave the room open for 10 minutes if you want to just hang out and talk. And then after a while, I was like, oh, I can't let them hang out and talk. I, I need to go do like because <laughs> my, the, my the things I needed to do. So that kind of like fueled the idea for like first the game class. So I'm like, I don't want to teach stuff that I don't like teaching. So I would never teach a math class. It would be terrible. It'd be awful. It'd be really bad. (laughs) So I'm like, well, I'm like, I like books. I like games. So I came up with these two separate social classes where one is just focused on games and one is about books. And when I thought of the idea, I actually ran it by my daughter. And it's because she, oh, she's into this series right now. I cannot think of the title. And I can't, if she heard me, she'd come out here and fight me. But she into this book series and she always comes out and wants to talk to me about this book. And I'm like, hey, I don't care. I didn't read the book series. I tried to read it. It's not interesting. So like the idea really came from me thinking like, you know what, if she had somebody that she could talk to about this book series that she really enjoys, I would sign her up quickly. Like I would sign up and pay for it. So she would have someone to talk to about this book that she loves. So if you're like, yeah, my son loves Legos and he already has these weekly meetings. Just imagine what I could do if I get all the kids who love Legos to sign up for the Lego lounge class. Right. It could be a thing, you know, maybe patent pending coming soon. You mentioned you'd love to make that hourly rate for 40 hours a week, but this just, you couldn't do it physically or mentally or just there's not enough demand like can you give me a sense of the hours that you are putting into this yeah so i currently teach the classes where i'm physically in front of my device with the camera on 10 hours a week and if i count in my flex classes it's not really i would say it's like five hours one hour 
for each one of the days that I had to do my listings, but it's really not because once you have a class created as a record, a pre-recorded class, all you have to do is go in there and change like the due dates if you have a class that requires due dates. So since I teach my writing classes as flex classes, I can just copy and paste from the previous class. I just have to change the due date. It's the same recording. It's the same information. So about 10 to 15 hours a week. And then with feedback, uh, maybe like another five hours, but I have a TA. So that helps as well. And there's another option like working with OutSchool where you can be, you can get hired as an organization. So right now on my website, I have two teachers that work for me and teach classes. And I do want to transition to the organization on OutSchool so I can train teachers in to teach my curriculum so that they can also benefit. Like, hey, if I teach you how to teach this class, I will hire you so you can now teach the class. And then that demand is met. I prefer short days. So I will only teach three classes a day. And I like to have Fridays off and Saturdays and Sundays. Okay. So here's a way to remove yourself from this you know, time in front of the camera part of the equation. Yes, the recorded classes or coming to organization and hiring staff or teachers that you can train to teach whatever it is that you're offering. Any surprises or challenges that come up along the way? The biggest challenge that I had when I first started off was being way too lenient with parent demands. If they asked me to offer a class at a certain time, I would offer the class. If their child missed the class and they wanted me to transfer them to another session, I would transfer them. If they missed the class, I would, hey, you know what? How about what does six o'clock look like for you tomorrow? We can do a one-on-one class. I can do that for them. And I think that was like the teacher me, like the coming from public school background where I'm always available. If you send me an email, if you pop up in at the school and you come in my classroom, I drop everything in. What is it that you need? So I definitely had to change my mindset to like a business. I had to start thinking about myself as a business. And then it was also really difficult to think about education in the for-profit sector. I'm like, oh, you're doing this to make money. You're not doing this. I mean, I still, of course, I still want to educate the children. I want to teach them. That's what I want to do. Yeah. But I had to start looking at myself as a business where if you purchase a class and you don't show up, that means you took the spot from somebody else that would show up. It doesn't mean that I shouldn't get paid because you decided not to show up. So that was like the biggest challenge trying to change my mindset and like, I can be flexible, but it's just, it's not fair to me. I had to think about that. I'm like, is it like, if I sign my daughter up for something and I'm like, oh, well, oops, we forgot. Why would I expect you to then give me my money back when there's already a refund policy that states that you will not get your money back? So I had to kind of let that go. And classes are recorded. So I'm always like, hey, you know, if you missed the class, the recording's available. I post my class material and a lot of teachers don't. They're like, I'm not sharing the recording. I'm not sharing the material that I created because what if someone steals it and takes it? And like, I've already had that happen to me. I've already, <laughs> I've already had to send out those emails like, hey, guess what? This is my original work. You can't use it. You didn't buy it from me. So that has happened. And I'll just drop this little tip right now. When you're creating your own worksheets and all that stuff, put a watermark on it. Doesn't mean someone won't use it, but at least you'll, whoever's viewing it will know that it's yours. <laughs> Get some credit at least when uh, when they do. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Hey, Jade, are there any other 
online teaching platforms that you like? I get the sense that you've tried just about all of them at this point. <laughs> I have. So I do like Teachable a little bit, especially if you want to make like those flex type classes. But I, I mean, I only use it for a very short period. Like when I was creating my my platform for teaching, I looked into using Teachable and Udemy as like linking websites to my own website. And I think like those types of platforms work because they'll help with marketing. If you decide to go at this by yourself, you are every component. You're the marketer, your HR, your course development, you're the teacher, you're wearing every single hat. So I think the platforms that have the marketing for you, where they might take out the percentage. So OutSchool is 30%. That's for the platform. That's for marketing. That covers all of those other elements. But with Udemy and Teachable, you're paying, I want to say it's monthly and yearly options that you have. So you're paying that upfront. With OutSchool, there's no upfront cost besides your time because you have to create these courses, but you don't have to spend any money to get started. That's a good way to frame it. We've had freelancers say the same thing about working on Fiverr. Yeah, they take 20%, but look at all this stuff that I didn't have to do. They gave me all this exposure as well. So different trade-offs there. Do you ever play around with creating the lesson plans or the workbooks like and putting them up on uh, Teachers Pay Teachers or someplace like that? Yes. So I was going to say both of my classes, but no, I took it off. So I did offer like my hamburger paragraph class. I sell the curriculum for that class and I took it down. And that's when I put the watermark on. I was like, oh, wait, (laughs) put your watermark on here first. But then I had to create a different one where it's like, this one is for free use. You can use this however you want to, wherever you want to. You don't. And it doesn't have the watermark on. It's like, once you purchase this, it is now yours. You can do with it whatever you want. So I did have things on teacher paid teachers, but then I just put it on my own website. I'm like, nope, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to let them take a percentage. I'm going to get all of my money for my classes. And then I also have that. So I I listed, I'm like, hey, if you're not ready to take this class, you can buy the material. So I do make that available to parents as an option. Like if you don't want to take and also teachers. So like, if you want to buy this class and you want to teach it, go ahead. But there's no restrictions. So there might be 20 or 30 or 100 other teachers teaching this exact same class. Just so you're clear, it's available to anybody who wants to purchase it. And if they want to teach it, they can teach it. If a parent's buying it to teach it to their child, they also get the videos. So it's me pre-recorded. So I'm like, you can watch the recording and then reteach it to your child, or you can let your child watch my videos and then complete the work. Yeah. I'm just thinking of other ways to like productize this, to remove yourself from the time in front of the students, time in front of the camera operation. But it sounds like you really enjoy that too. Do you want to play prognosticator for a minute? Like, I'm curious what your sense is on the future of online learning here. We've seen with platforms like Udemy and Skillshare, like online learning and even Khan Academy and there's Khan Academy kids, sure. But like, it's been a thing for for grownups for a long time. And, but now we're seeing it kind of like, especially in the pandemic, like, oh, it's becoming more and more of a thing for younger kids and, and younger students. So I'm curious to see, where do you see the future going here? I see a lot of people who are like, oh, you know, after this is over and kids go back to school, who's going to take online classes? I'm like, they were taking online classes before this. Like, they were already here. So if you think about, like, homeschool families, I'm a homeschool mom. I homeschool my daughter. Like, we're always looking for things. So we're going to stay here taking these virtual classes. And for families that are who have their children in school, I 
used to offer so many evening classes pre-pandemic. And it was from parents whose children were in schools. They would say, hey, you know, my child's not learning this in school. Or they're really weak at this in school and I want them to have more practice. So they're still signing their children up, even though they're in school. I don't think it's going to die down. Like I see it still happening. Like even right now with my students this month, I'm getting a lot of emails. This month was weird. I got so many messages from parents saying, hey, my kid's going back to school. Can they still take your class? Yes. Well, they're not going to be there. Yeah, the recording's available. So I think they see the benefits of it. And because it's, it was massive, like it wasn't just a few people, like they're seeing the benefits of having their child take these classes. So even if it's an academic class and they're looking at it like, oh, it's just extra, they're still signing them up. And I think they're starting to see like there's kind of gaps in what they're learning in school. So they're like, oh, my child's not going to learn this in school. Or if they're learning about it in school, as soon as that part is over in the curriculum, they're moving on to the next thing. So if their child took interest in it, they can sign them up for these online classes where they can dive a little bit deeper and spend more time learning that topic. Right. Yeah. I'm thinking of how mom and dad would sign me up for, you know, and mostly during the summer, like, you know, summertime day camp type of stuff, extended science learning type of thing. And yeah, it's like, well, you could do it online. You have access to students from all around the world and you got access to instructors from all around the world, not just what the local community center parks and rec seems to have in their little catalog this year. So very cool stuff. Jade, what's next for you? What you got, what's got you excited uh, for the rest of this year? What I'm most excited about is hiring teachers. Like I'm really excited about being able to train teachers in a while ago. I made a post and I was like, just you wait to see how much I'm paying my teachers because I'm really excited about being able to pay teachers what they're worth, like for their time. So I plan on hiring, right now I have two teachers, but I'm training them over the summer. But by the time fall starts back up, I want to have at least five teachers. Like, And I don't want to say full-time teachers. When I say full-time, like they would make full-time wages if they teach one class a day, Monday through Friday. So five hours a week, they're making full-time pay. So I do want to hire five teachers. And that way, I'm kind of making a transition right now. And I'm moving from services to products. So I have a handful of workbooks that I've been working on. Well, they're done. They're done already. But I want to get those workbooks out. And it's because of the homeschool background that I have. There's kind of a lack of information for certain subjects. So I'm like, hey, well, here I am. I have the information. I'll provide it. So I'm doing that. And then my daughter and I, we started a children's book series about homeschool siblings. We're going to push that all summer long because there's not a lot of books about homeschoolers either. So when my daughter, when like I'm choosing books for her to read and they're all about kids who go to school and they're experiencing these, you know, the things that happen in schools. My daughter's like, well, this isn't relatable to my life. And so I was like, okay, well, let's make some stuff that's relatable to people's lives. So we started this children's book. You have a landing page or a title for this children's series, the homeschool series. We can plug it. Everything is going to be on www.teacherjade.com. Perfect. Teacherjade.com. Check it out over there. Jade, thanks so much for joining me, for sharing all your insights on teaching online and the OutSchool platform. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. My number one tip is to be consistent and don't give up. I know that's two tips, but be consistent and don't give up. Don't quit. (laughs) I like it. Thanks again 
for joining me again, teacherjade.com. You'll find links to all the resources mentioned along with the full text summary of our call at sidehustlenation.com slash jade, J-A-D-E. Big thanks to Jade for sharing her story. Thanks to Gili from Grow slash Acorns for the introduction. Apologies on the pronunciation there. That is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of The Side Hustle Show, where I'll share some of the motherly advice that I got from mom growing up and uh, the impact that that's had. I'll see you then. Hustle on.